Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the auction community studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's up? Uh, what's going on, Luke? As I adjust my microphone right here, I was kind of in there jamming a little bit. Uh, 46 and 2, I believe, was the song of choice oh. right there. So I am a little behind. How are you doing? I'm good. I heard reports you were listening to Guns N' Roses. And at that point, <laughs> it's like, don't even bother him. I'll just do the first hour by myself. Yes, of course. But ready to broadcast, as always, my friends. I'm glad you are because somebody put this chair up so high. I feel like I'm sitting in a high chair right yes, now. Yes, okay. So what's your issue right now with your legs dangling? It feels good to actually let your legs dangle yes. a little bit. Because it's I one of the like reasons why I love broadcasting. That's why you got high in the chair. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Why'd you get into broadcasting? I like the chairs. They're very high. It just kind of feels good right there, basically. So let your feet dangle as you rant and rave about certain things happening in the sports world. Let's play a game, and I promise I won't complain about this for the rest of the show. How many times do you think I'll have to sign into my email today before it opens? Over, under, four and a half. We're already at three. Okay, I'm going to say under. Okay. Well, this is, this is the you, winner You'll get right good here. odds on, on under then. Honestly, yeah? can I just say um, no one really has room to complain except for poor Rick over here. So Rick, every time he tries to sign into his computer, it says, you have been locked out. Oof. Please seek assistance. That's he can't even good. log into his computer. I just get something went wrong. I get the page that just says something went wrong. But you have been locked out sounds much more sinister, like they're trying to send a message. And... Rick looks sad. I haven't seen Rick look sad like this. He just left. He's, now he's getting locked out of the studio. Uh, all right. So we're obviously a very functioning show today. Um, Wolf, you know what happens tonight? Um, Basketball. Let me think about it. First of all, yeah, I was going to say that right there. I was going to say, aren't the Suns playing the Dallas Mavericks? Oh, they are playing the Dallas Mavericks. What better way to start your season, uh, your post-holiday run, or in this case, your stretch run to the playoffs than by having the Suns play the Dallas Mavericks? And it, it's not a secret at this point. You go back to the Christmas Day loss at home to Dallas, 128-114. Uh, to 114, And since then, the Suns have played their best basketball of the year. What are they, 19-7 and seven since yes. then? Yeah. Okay. Now they got 27 games left, and they start with Dallas again. Yeah, you know, and right now, too, Basin Orleans, how big is this game? That is the question you've got to ask yourself. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to lose my mind if the Phoenix Suns lose this game. I might. I'm, I'm sick of I'm losing not, to Dallas. But there is an opportunity for the Suns to send a Sicilian message, I think, to the Western Conference. I know it's one game. You know me. Okay, Um, I the, the moment is here. It is. You get one opportunity to make a first impression after the All-Star break, and here it is. Here's your one opportunity to make that first impression against the Dallas Mavericks and the rest of the Western Conference, because right now, the Mavericks are playing well. They are, and maybe the break came at the wrong time for them. I, th- I think it did come at the right time for the Suns, just in the sense that Bradley Beal is questionable for this game. Like, he has a chance to play, and, and that wouldn't have been the case if there wasn't a break, you know. Um, this is the third and final game of the series, so if you're into that sort of thing, the Suns need to win this to win the series. They did beat Dallas on January 24th. That's a big deal. 
Devin Booker. That's a big deal in, that game. in the Western Conference. The, the way that it's it all is. bunched up yep. in the Western Conference, that tiebreaker, that's a big deal. Well, because we talked so much about the uh, the season series with Sacramento, and they're going to play them five times. They're 2-2 two and two against Sacramento. They're 1-1 one and one against Dallas. And right now, as we speak at this exact second, Wolf, Dallas is one game back of the Suns. Sacramento is a game and a half back of the Suns. So you can see the difference. If you win tonight, you're two games up on Dallas, and you have the tiebreaker. That like it, it's not like if you win tonight, you're automatically in the top six. But a win tonight goes a long way to putting you in the top. Yeah, six. it does. Uh, once again, Dallas is playing so well right now. Um, six in a row, including three games since their trade deadline acquisitions that they made. Of course, where they got a whole lot tougher. More on that as we continue with the show. But Luke and Kyrie Irving, of course, Ron Wolfley reporting. They're very, very good basketball players, and they are playing very well right now. Now, the team is coming together. The Mavs are playing at home. This is not going to be an easy win. This is not going to be an easy game for the Phoenix Suns by any stretch of the imagination. But you get this chance. You get this opportunity to make that first impression right now. And that's what I'm excited to see, how the Suns come out and how they compete. What kind of intensity level do we see tonight? It's it's not going to be easy, um, like you said, but it is just in terms of, of on paper, one of their easier games left, right? You got 27 games left, and 13 of them are against the top seven teams in the NBA, which Dallas isn't right now. Dallas is still on the outside looking in terms of the playoffs in the West. They're in the play-in. But like you said, they've been playing better since they went out and got P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford. Um, Kyrie is... It feels weird to say this, Wolf, but he's not on the injury report against the Suns. I He never plays against the Suns since he's gotten to Dallas. <laughs> he has not played against the Suns once this year uh, as a member of the Mavericks, and I, I don't even remember him playing last year. I think he did, but I just it, it wasn't very memorable. But he's going to play tonight, and this is, this is, like you said, you don't want to overreact to one game, yes. but here we go. Like This is the start of a stretch where I... I I believe the Suns are going into a stretch where they are about to face their highest expectations they've ever had. Yes, and you know what? Trial by fire. We've been talking an awful lot about trial by fire right now. The The upside is here. The, the schedule becomes very, very difficult for the Phoenix Suns, especially in March. Very difficult. The upside is here. It's huge. If they could win this game tonight to win the tiebreaker and announce your to your western opponents out there that you know what we're coming out and we're going to be ready to ball we're going to be ready from the very beginning we're going to be a different team coming together after the all-star break we'll see if that happens but they have this this opportunity right now to not be ignored and it's Dallas i mean i'm not going to pretend that's not part of it like so friday Friday being tomorrow, they play Houston, right? If that was the first game out of the All-Star break, a lot of what we have been saying would apply. Okay, here you go. This is the stretch run. But you, you almost kind of feel like you're ramping up into it, right? You're playing Houston. Or even if you were playing another team that has about the same record as Dallas, it would be a little more meaningful because it's a little more of a litmus test. But the fact that it's Dallas... And to me, this is their biggest rival right now. I know people will say the Lakers. I know, you know, seven seconds or less era Suns fans are still going to say, I hate the Spurs. And hey, I'm not going to stand in your way of doing that. But to me right now, it's the team with Luka and it's Dallas. And I'm still not over what Dallas did to the Suns a couple years ago in the playoffs. I think they sent this. They 
they either sent the Suns into a tailspin that they haven't recovered from, or they created the Suns that might win yeah. the championship. It's one of the two, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, once again, what happened with the Phoenix Suns at the trade deadline? What did we do? We went out and we actually became a little bit tougher, I think. Some of the acquisitions that were made, Royce O'Neal, the primary acquisition, of course, we got a lot tougher, I think. It's interesting because the Dallas Mavericks did the exact same thing, as far as I'm concerned. Going out, and they got Daniel Gafford. I don't know if you've seen Daniel Gafford. In these three games that he's played for the Dallas Mavericks, he's played exceptionally well. He scored over 15 points, over 12 rebounds, over two block shots. I mean, this guy shooting 61% in three games. That's a very small yeah. sample size. But he got a lot of blocks in Washington, too. It was just weird that they, they didn't play him very often. They and then didn't. they did, and it wasn't consistent. It's been the way for a couple of years. Like, he would play 17 minutes and have four blocks, and then he wouldn't play again. Yes, they went out. They got Daniel Gafford, of course, and they got P.J. Washington. Both those guys are, are big, physical tough guys. I think the Dallas Mavericks looked at themselves and said, you know what, we need to be tougher as well. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this opportunity to go out and compete tonight. And again, I just want to see it. The intensity level. This is this is game one of the second half. They got 27 games to go. Game one of the second half of the season. Your run to the postseason starts tonight. All right, we come back over to football. How active are the Cardinals going to be in free agency this year? That's less than a month away. You're going to hear what the GM, Monty Austinford, had to say about it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Gambo, the Dallas Mavericks have always been a difficult matchup for the Suns, but we'll tell you why they are now an even more challenging test for tonight's game. The Burns and Gambo Show, hear us from 2 to 4.30 today on Arizona Sports. Hi, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Thursday morning. You know, so much of the focus with the Cardinals, Wolf, has been on the NFL draft. And, yeah. You know, obviously that makes a lot of sense with Marvin Harrison Jr. or whoever they take uh, at uh, at number four. But free agency is a lot sooner. Free agency is March 13th, which is like, what, three weeks, basically? Here we go, Luke. And here we go. I would imagine what happens in free agency is going to have a pretty big impact on what happens in the draft as well for the Cardinals. Yes. Um, you know, once again, I do believe that building an NFL team, it has changed so much since when I played base learnings. It was all about the draft, all about the draft. Yes, there was free agency. It was plan B free agency, which meant you weren't part of plan A. Okay. <laughs> when you got plan B, there was free agency, but it was just kind of weird for the most part. It's still about building through the draft. You have to draft well, and then you plug holes. You go out and you get pros to actually fill some of those holes in free agency. Now, other general managers will take a an approach that says, I'm going to go on. I'm going to sign Chris Jones. That's what we're going to do. That'd we're going to nice. go get Chris Jones. Man, you better back up the Brinks truck for the most part. You're, you're going to overpay 
in free agency. That's just a, a fact. You're going to overpay. It's how much are you willing to overpay for well, GMs? And it comes down to your philosophy, right? Like, I'm obviously not an NFL GM, but if I were, I'd want to build my team through the draft and then supplement it through free agency. Because like you said, you're, you're going to overspend sometimes, but I at least want to know like, hey, I'm I'm one great receiver away. I'm willing to overspend a little bit. Or, you know, like you said, you can also kind of fill some spots on your team through free agency. But where the challenge is, if you're trying to rebuild, like the Cardinals are, free agency's first. Free agency's a month and a half almost before the draft. So you have to sort of identify, okay, here's the holes we're going to fill through free agency with maybe some vets. Maybe they're not big names. I don't know. We'll see what the Cardinals do. And we have to do that by kind of hoping that we know who's going to be available in the draft. So that's it's a difficult process to navigate, I, I think, if you are a team uh, that's trying to rebuild. Because if you're a team that's already established, the Chiefs, the Chiefs just need to go out and get a receiver. So they'll just do that in free agency. You know what I mean? But a team like the, the Cardinals or the Bears or somebody like that, it's like, all right, hold on. We have to kind of... We have to do this out of order. Now, Monty Austinfort was on with Bickley and Murata uh, today, and he said, yeah, they're going to be active in free agency. Free agency is also another big area where we are definitely going to be active in free agency. You know, what does that mean? You know, I, I can't spell that out for you right now. I don't know what that means, like, because we don't completely control that, right? Uh, there's there's a market and there's players that we think are going to be available right now that two weeks from now are not going to be available. So, you know, free agency is full of unknowns in that respect. And also, you know, there's, there's dangers in free agency. Agency. You know, the free agency, uh, the nature of free agency is uh, it's you end up overpaying. And mm-hmm. That's that's how it works. Uh-huh. It's, it's full of uh, there's full of mistakes. Now, that's not to say that there's not there's not things that you can fix there. Right. And so we are going to take our chances and we, there will be times where we uh, find ways to supplement our roster. But ultimately, we're going to build this team and, and what we're going to be moving forward. We're going to build this thing through the draft. There it is right there, Monty Park. You can't, you can't get any more clear. That is a frying pan, metaphorically speaking, to the face. That's exactly what he, his philosophy is. He's not going to go out, in my opinion, and sign anybody to a contract where a guy is going to make $20 million or more. I just do not see that. Monty Ford is more about the numbers. He's more about the glue guys with free agency and going out and getting glue guys, guys who are pros, and bringing them in. See, that, that would be how I would do it. I would like to get my stars through the draft. That's, how you, that's ideally how you do it, right? But for me, I would like, I'd like to have all the, the knowledge going into free agency where it's like, okay, I've got my guys through the draft. And now I can go into the free agency pool with like a list of four things. Three of them are going to be pros, but one of them, maybe I have some money. I'm going to spend it on, I'm just going to use Chris Jones as an example. It's not going to be Chris Jones. Yeah. That as an example, okay, I'll spend it on him. But if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not doing that until I see what the draft holds for me. You sure. know what I mean? Like if I had a great draft and I got a few of the pros I wanted, I'm looking around and I'm saying, hey, you know, maybe I have a chance. Now Kyler's healthy. Maybe we can sneak into a playoff spot. Maybe I'll allow myself to overpay for a Chris Jones or T Higgins or whoever. But just with the order it's in, I I don't I I hear what he's saying. They're going to be active, and I'm sure they are because they're still trying to turn over this roster. But I'm with you. I, I can't see them going out and, and spending on any huge names because it it just feels like it's out of order for me. It always has. Yes, football. yes. You know, I'll, I'll give you a classic name right here based on audience. Frankie Louvu, right? Frankie Louvu. 
This guy's a weak side inside linebacker, and he plays for the Carolina Panthers, of course, or played with the Carolina Panthers. A weak side inside linebacker right now. Um, ESPN came out with this ranking. They actually had Luvu ranked the 42nd best free agent. Okay, 47. Does that get you fired up, Mason? <laughs> Number 42. You know, um, yeah, this guy, I think, ultimately would be a good fit for the Arizona Cardinals well, two, because you're not going to have to pay him millions and millions yeah. and millions of dollars. Well, 236 tackles over the last two years. Think about that. When you, you say Frankie Luvu, I just think tackles. Because it just And randomly, I don't know why I knew it coming into the season, probably because of fantasy football, which you hate on so much. Oh, my goodness. But uh, but to, now, I mean, he followed it up this year with even more tackles. If you're telling me I can have Kaiser White and Frankie Luvu. Think about that defense. for a minute right now. You know what? That. Honestly, that it just to have that in today's NFL, to have two inside linebackers that do not come off the field based on earnings. It is massive. It is a big deal. Now, sometimes, depending on what the personnel um, is that the offense is showing you, what the down and distance is, what the game situation is, sometimes you're going to bring a third linebacker onto the field. You're going to do that, or you're going you're gonna to go ahead with a true 3-4 defense. You're going to mix it up. You're going to put seven guys into the box, maybe even walk down eight, depending on how many tight ends or how many how many fullbacks mm. <laughs> a team might use from inevitable. time to time, right? Of course. So anyways, well, I guess what I'm saying through it all you get you need two inside linebackers that don't come off the field. And if you can get two inside linebackers that can stay in third and eight on the field, just like first and ten, you got gold in your hand. Kaiser White doesn't need to come off the field when it's third and eight. He does not need to no. do that. And I think Frankie Luvu also would not come off the field. Interesting. Uh, here's more from Monty Austin for talking about something that you have mentioned in the past, Wolf. First things first, you have to identify the types of players you want to be building this team around. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that starts with communication um, among our staff. And we just we have to lay out exactly uh, the type of players that we're looking for, mature, accountable, dependable players that, that really the, the, the thing that's at the top of their list and top of all of our lists is, is winning. And that's, that's what it all boils down to. And, and when we win and when we have success, that's when uh, personal success comes you know, with that. And so you know, I think having that clear communication with the entire staff and, and making that known to players what the expectations are and, and laying out just how that each person's role leads into us being successful. You know, I think I think that is all wrapped up and then that, that's whether we're talking about players, starters, backups, but it's staff, it's coaching, mm-hmm. it's scouts, it's trainers, it's it's the entirety of the football operations. And so, you know, the more that we can clearly communicate that vision, uh, that's when that's when we establish what we refer to as a culture. <laughs> Now you're talking about language, Monty. I love that right there, the culture. He just laid it out for you beautifully. He said mature, accountable, dependable, didn't he? Think about this right now. For me, does it matter? I mean, if somebody isn't mature, accountable, or dependable, they're immature. They're unaccountable. They're not dependable. Does it matter what his talent level is after that? Does it? Ask yourself that question. Are you willing to put up with guys who are immature, not accountable, not dependable? No matter what their talent level is, I, I, there's no way. This is, this is the gate 
to the locker room of the Arizona Cardinals. It's, you got to be mature, accountable, and dependable. It's so logical, though, that it just every time we talk about this, I wonder why other teams don't do that. You know, because just logically, this makes a lot more Watch sense. Tape, man, and there's talent, and talent goes out and makes plays. Uh, real quick, Frankie Louvu, the last time he played the Cardinals was October second of twenty twenty two. 11 tackles and an interception in that game. So maybe that's why I, I, I know he always has some that Yes, exactly. Uh, text us your thoughts to the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Should the heightened expectations on the Arizona Diamondbacks change their approach to this season? One player weighed in on this, and I thought his answer was pretty interesting, Wolf. It's uh, Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Friday as we wrap up a busy Newsmakers Week 2024. Lots more guests, including a visit with Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. Starts at 6 here on Arizona Sports. All right, Wolf, so I may or may not have been feverishly refreshing the the schedule for Major League Baseball to see who the D-backs are starting tomorrow. I don't know who they're starting yet because they haven't named the starter, but they are facing Carson Palmquist of the Colorado Rockies. Okay. That's, uh, don't ask me anything else about Carson Palmquist, but I know that that's who they're facing. Okay, thank you for that. I just wanted to see who was starting for the D-backs and I figured out who's going to be starting on Tuesday when we're there because if it's Brandon Fott, I want to be prepared for you screaming, you've got to fight for your right to that's party right. from left you've field. you've got to fight for your right. you got to fight! Brandon Fott! The kid did. He did, by the way. What happened last year, you could just see it right now. He was throwing blows, man. He was fighting for his right to compete and party. Did you know uh, there's a game today? Not D-backs, but uh, Dodgers-Padres from Peoria. Padres. Playing the Dodgers. Okay, great. The Diamondbacks, how'd they do against the Dodgers th- last year, I, I by the way, in the, in the postseason? I don't remember them ever Did they trailing. freeze Freddie Freeman in place? <laughs> um, Freddie Freeman. Wait a minute. Did, did the Dodgers win a game in the series? That, uh, you the have Dodgers. to lead, don't Clayton you? Kershaw get shelled? <laughs> oh, he did. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Listen, this is a classic case. Did they give up four home runs in one inning to the Diamondbacks? Was it Gabby twice? First foul, then yard? (laughs) Two home runs and two pitches from Gabby Moreno? Is any of this? You got to ignore your defeats, Mason Audience. And yes. (laughs) Diamondbacks Um, are going undefeated this year. Right. Well, I think the Dodgers did okay the year before, if memory serves. Uh, Not in the playoffs. Um, Apparently, it's Eduardo Rodriguez tomorrow, according to our own Dave Burns. Nice. Yes. Dbacks.com still has a TBD, though. Okay. All right. Eduardo Rodriguez. Boy, that'd be nice. Got to race over there right after the show. Are you kidding me? How great would that be? I might do that. What? I don't have work after the show tomorrow either. There's no coyotes. I'm going to race right over to, to uh, Salt Go River Field. yourself a dog, I almost, I almost had raced over to Chase Field. That would have been kind of an empty feeling when I got there. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Just me in the park. Hey, where's everybody? Uh, anyway, Christian Walker joined us earlier this week, and we asked Woke. him about the different expectations that are going to be on this team this year and if that changes the approach at all. I think it should change your approach, but... I think that word expectation and pressure, I think you're right about that. What I feel around camp right now is I feel guys really excited to go out and show that it wasn't a fluke. Mm -hmm. Like 
I think I think that's that's the hurdle, right? When a team comes off out of nowhere and they're hot on the scene, and they go as far as we did, that's the next step, right? Was it sustainable? Is it long term, or did they catch lightning in a bottle? And I think the energy around the clubhouse is just it's confident. There's there's no sign of anybody thinking anything other than that's who we are and that's that's where we're going to be. So. You know, it's, it's, it is easy to get caught up in the expectation and create a narrative that may put a little bit of pressure on yourself. But, I mean, honestly, wearing the target on your back is – that puts pressure on other people. Like, we're the ones out playing. Other people are trying to come out and knock us off. So, you know, that's, that's pressure on them. Man, I'm, I'm, on board. I'm on board with that. <laughs> Why? I just – well, A, it's not something you always hear. Normally, when you ask a professional athlete, like, hey, is this going to change your approach? No, nothing would ever change my approach. The the first game of Cactus League play is exactly the same as Game 7 of the World Series. That's an honest answer from Christian Walker, and I like the attitude of, hey, you know what? We just won the National League last year, and it wasn't a fluke. So the pressure's on you to beat us. He's kind of right. Yeah, yeah, he is kind of right. I would say, once again, what I love the fact is acknowledge it. There's so many guys that would not do that. There's so many professional athletes. Hey, listen, we put up with pressure all the time. <laughs> the expectation is completely different for the Arizona Diamondbacks going into the summer of 2024 than it was the summer of 2023. And it's not even close. How could it not be? I, I mean, please. So you have to acknowledge the expectation is out there. And that's what Christian did. He did acknowledge it. And he also acknowledged the fact that pressure does come with that. It does. But embrace it. And that's what I think he basically was saying right there. You need to embrace it. The target is on their back. That's right. But that puts pressure on your opponent. Acknowledge the fact that there is pressure. Acknowledge the fact that there is expectation. And embrace it. It is Embracing the pressure, making it your friend. Tony Larusa. <laughs> it, it is it is strange that the the over under on wins is still eighty three and a half. Man, and I, I, what are you doing? I, I, what am even, I doing? I'm not even saying that it's wrong. I threw this out there on X last week, and I got, I got some feedback from people being like, "Yeah, I know it's it, it's no guarantee they're going to be better this year than last year." I, I get that. I get that. I really, truly, as we sit here on February twenty second, think they're going to win about ninety games. I don't know if they're going back to the World Series. You know what I mean? Because right, you, you can't, right. you just, no team can say they're definitely going to the World Series. All you can do is set yourself up for regular season success and hopefully develop players that will step up in the playoffs. And I think the Diamondbacks have done that. Their core that went to the World Series is still there. I, I think they have as, as good of a chance of any of, I don't know, probably seven teams to go back to the World Series or to be in the World Series this year. But they have built a better deeper team for the regular season. So the only reason I bring that up is we talk about external expectations and they're there, but I, we're in this weird spot where I still think they're mostly in the Valley. And then you'll talk to like certain media members nationally. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, the D-backs are a good team. But obviously the betting public doesn't feel that way. They yeah. think they're just an average team. Yeah. Once again, uh, somebody got a five honey on you. <laughs> you might want to go ahead and lay that down. I'm five just saying, honey. I don't know how much you're going to win. If you lay down five Ben Franklin's, uh, I have no idea how much you're going to win, but man, that, that still is out there. 83 and a half. That's still the number. It's it hasn't number. moved. It has not moved. Isn't it? Don't they move that thing when people start betting on yeah. it? 
The, so well, this would indicate that people either aren't betting on it or they're just betting on both sides of it. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are think they're, they're going to win know. less. To me, the fact that it hasn't moved at all. But but wow. that, that is, does that not gauge the expectation nationally to, to some level? It's not, this isn't like an exact science, but on some level, nationally, the thought is, oh, the Diamondbacks, so they won about 84 last year and they snuck in. Yeah, they'll probably win about 83 or 84 again this year. That, to me, is not looking at what they've added Man. and what we were talking about yesterday, that they should be better just by internal development because it's not one or two young <laughs> players. It's like seven. I, I just look at Corbin Carroll, man. I mean, you think Corbin Carroll is going to get better this year? I, I do. Yeah, I still don't I, know I what it looks like, but yes. I don't know what that looks like either, but I think he's going to get better. Gabby Moreno, do you think he's going to get better? I think he is definitely going to get better. I don't know how much better he could get behind the plate, but I know at the plate, I think he could get better. And the thing I love about Gabby, by the way, he's got that clutch gene. Remember that? How many times did he come through when it was big? Now, yeah, of course, it wasn't all the time, Basinonians. Baseball is about failure for the most part. But more times than not, Gabby Moreno came through in a big way for the Diamondbacks. Alec Thomas, ooh, what could you possibly become based on your postseason experience? Geraldo Perdomo, Brandon Fought. I mean, there are five guys, five players that were core. They were centric to the Arizona Diamondbacks that they counted on last year who were young and developing and making their way. Five guys that I think that core is only going to get better. Well, and, and even if just three of them get better, you're in a pretty good spot. And you also still have a farm system. I mean, we'll get more into this later on, but like Man. you do still have Jordan Lawler. You do still have, you still have Jake McCarthy, who's like a huge mystery now. Uh, when we come back, did we just get... Yet another example of college football ruining itself. Man. <laughs> it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ASU men's basketball hosts Washington. Pre-game coverage tonight at 6.30 on ESPN 620 and the Arizona Sports app. Back to the show. That's good. Uh, here, I've got a tweet from Adam Schefter to really brighten your morning. Okay, yeah. well, you ready for this? <laughs> uh, there's originally a tweet from Adam Schefter talking about the Chargers finalizing a deal <laughs> with USC running back uh, coach Keel McDonald. Okay. To yeah. come, and he says, you know, McDonald had chances to become a college OC, but he opted to become a Harbaugh's uh, running back coach. Okay. But then Schefter quote tweeted himself and added this. A trend that has emerged this winter, many college coaches are tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches already have left. Many more want to. Yes. All right. Why do you think that might be? Ask yourself that question. I, I know many, many NFL coaches. I'm just going to say that based on means I know many NFL coaches. That say to me, I'm talking about young guys, I'll never go back. I'm never going to go co coach college football again. The dynamic inside that lock, it's rotting college football from the inside out. It's rotting it. The NIL and the transfer portal, rotting. Oh, it's the combination. I mean, we've talked about this for a while, but, it, you know, it keeps, it keeps getting worse. 
And, you know, look, if the pushback is, oh, well, you're not going to watch college football next year. No, I'm going to watch college football next year. I'm absolutely going to. I'm excited about Dillingham, and I like college football. Yeah. But that's not a good enough reason to not try to fix something or to at least not be aware of something and, and, and monitor it. It doesn't even feel like the NCAA is monitoring it. You know, I, I've been saying this. You've been saying for years that this was going to be a problem. I've been saying for a while that specifically to me, the problem is combining the NIL with the transfer portal and just no rules. You have to have you have to have some sort of. It can't just be a constant free for all. Yeah, yeah. Can I just say right now? Forget about the rules. The the rules mean absolutely nothing. Well, there are to none me. because to me, yeah. But forget about the rules in regard to that because what is killing college football is you are rotting. The competitiveness you're robbing an a you're robbing a football team. I'll, I'll use the football paradigm because I know it so well. You're rotting it from the inside out, and the reason why I say that is because there's absolutely no loyalty whatsoever. These kids aren't even being coached the way that they need to be coached. They're not, and the reason why, based on means, because these coaches don't want to offend the kid, because they know if they offend the kid, he's gone. He's not going to walk through it. He's not going to be tough. He's not going to be resilient. He's going to quit and go somewhere else. But see, that's that's where that's I think, rotting a team from the inside out. I think some level of rules because I, I just don't think you can fix this now. Like you've squeezed the toothpaste out of the bottle, right? I don't know you can put it back in. Yeah, you can. But well, I don't <laughs> think they want to, to be honest. Or you I, you, I, you I, can try. All right. Well, then let me word this a different way. I don't really trust the NCAA to do anything, right? Ever. Uh, until proven otherwise. This has got to be done by college football people that love the game, love the sport. But the scenario you just threw out there, if you even just had the rule of if you're at a school, you can't transfer for two years unless you have a really good reason. You know what I mean? They can't just be like, well, I got benched. So I'm you got to the way it was even like four years ago was a lot better. If you just had something of like. Because what you're saying is so true. If you're a coach and you have to watch how you how you phrase things, and I don't mean like you, you can't say unreasonable things. Like you, you don't need to be able to say the unreasonable stuff, but you need to be able to coach. And if 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 you have to live in this world where it's like, hey, you know what? You're you're you're, you're the same dumb penalty on three straight plays in practice. You're you're out for a little bit. You're not gonna you're not gonna start the next game. And and the immediate reaction is on Twitter two hours later. Okay, I'm available. Like yeah, Alabama, right. anybody, exactly. Ohio State, anybody. Then you can't coach your team. There's just no way to do it. And so to just let this run free because I know plenty of people that are like, well, hey, you know, players should get paid. And I don't even totally disagree with that. And I know plenty of people who are like, hey, you can't tell players where to play. I I hear both sides. I'm more on your side on this, Wolf, but I at least can understand the other side. But nowhere in that other side's argument does it make sense to not have any regulations. Yeah, because you elitists that are out there right now, $150,000 scholarship isn't worth anything. Right? I mean, I what's, 100, right what's 150000 It's not worth anything. Getting an education, it's not worth anything. As a matter of fact, I saw a quote from Nick Saban. I saw this. He said, don't, don't refer to these kids as student-athletes. A student-athlete doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's, that's he what he's talking about. Just saying about. college football? Yes. Okay. Because I, I think it still exists in some of the other well, he, sports. Well, but yeah. He's, yeah, he's talking about he's talking about all of it because it applies, the NIL. Is this why he left? Has he explained you have that yet? To, you have to ask. 
You have to wonder if this even forced Nick Saban out the door. You have to ask that question right now. I know, I know NFL coaches that say they will never return to the college paradigm. And I get it. I think about it. Basin earnings, one of the best things about being part of a, of a team, a football team, again, in particular, I'm talking about football because that's what I know. One of the best parts about that is just knowing, hey, listen, we all have a chance. We, we all, we can compete against each other, but I love you and know that I, I've got your back and I'm going to be here for you. It's one of the greatest things to, to be part of a team. And then, um, to see that being chipped away and to see that being destroyed, to see that rot coming from the core of that and know that it no longer exists, that, that makes me angry. Not sad, angry. I just, I'm unimpressed by the overall apathy of the NCAA to even try to harness this. And and even even try to find a middle ground of okay, there's this, and then there's this. Okay, so maybe this does need to happen. Maybe we need to adapt. Maybe we need to evolve. Maybe it's something that Luke Lipinski doesn't agree with, but they feel like they needed to do it. But right now, it feels like the NCAA isn't even paying attention. Like what? Oh, guys can just leave. Like in the I mean, we're getting to the point where guys can leave at halftime. That seems to be like where we're headed with this, or certainly where guys can leave mid-season. Uh, but the flip side to this is Kenny Dillingham. I don't even know. I shouldn't say flip side. I don't know if this is necessarily the other. This is the opposite of what we're saying. But here, here's Kenny Dillingham on with Bickley and Murata yesterday talking about the state of college football. You know, you adapt, you adjust, and is it hard? Yes, but if you love it, you're going to do it. Does it pull away from other things? Yes. Find a way to have life balance. Recruit the kids who understand that I'm not going to call you every single day because I'm going to go home to my kids uh, <laughs> and my wife. Like, find the balance that, that works for you, and it's very, very difficult because you never have to turn the switch off. You know, back in the day, started going on a tangent, but you used to just have one phone call a week. Mm-hmm. Now you have unlimited texting. So every mm-hmm. single day... Of the year, every minute, you can be working. And if you're not, you feel like you're being outworked. And that's the greatest, heart, the hardest thing in Ooh, college athletics right tough. now is it. there is never a spot that it says, oh, we can't text a kid, which means wow. you're constantly working. And if you're not, you're being outworked in your head. And I think for competitors, that is the hardest part about college athletics yeah. is you always want to be the best. But in order to be the best, you cannot do anything else because if you do, then somebody else is outworking you. Burnout. <laughs> Burned out. This is what's happening at the college level right now. And again, it, it's the competitiveness that, that destroys my love of the game. It, it destroys it. And the reason being, Basinonians, is because, once again, if this kid's getting a million dollars a year, just hypothetically, what chance do I have to really take reps from him or beat him out? Ask yourself that. It's it's destroying the the very existence of competition and what it's all about, especially at the college level where you got eighteen year olds. I oh my goodness, you you could see this coming a mile away, could you not, Basin audience? You saw it coming years ago. What a joke this was going to be, and it has effectively ruined college football for me personally guess what it's ruining it for other people too 
Well, that's that's the issue on my end. I've tried to see the other side when teams were lining up to have a bidding war for Cameron Ward and he hadn't even announced he was transferring at the end of the season. That's where it was just like, that. I, I can't. <laughs> because where is this going? Like, Wolf, I know you're fed up with it right now. It's going to be worse in two years. It's going to be much worse in five years because nobody's even trying remotely to regulate it to the point where some of the greatest coaches in college football are just like, I'm out. I don't want to, I, I, I don't need to deal with this headache. Uh, all right, we come back. What kind of role is Thaddeus Young going to have with the Phoenix Suns as they begin their playoff push tonight? He talked about it. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.